Tale of Two Trains A true story by David Withington I'm excited The train ticket is pre-booked Very soon I'll be catching up with friends who are attending the same conference Most importantly though I've packed enough sandwiches and chocolate to last the train journey Um, may I join you? I say to the lady in the seat next to my reserved spot, hoping she doesn't say no. I take my seat and we're off. The jovial announcer on the train tells us, small items and children can be placed on the overhead rack. Is it me or did he really say that? I chuckle. My new fellow passenger's phone emits a loud bing. (laughs) She apologises and we start a conversation. I'm enjoying this journey. Suddenly, I hear an announcement. Would the guard please go to the driver's cabin? Over. When did they start saying over on the public address system? Well, the next announcement begins with This is an important announcement. Yes, one of those which makes you stop talking and start listening to the man with the microphone. Unfortunately, our train has a problem, he says. We only have one engine, so this train will be terminating here. So we all pile off the train and we find that we're in Staleybridge. Some people... Look at the overhead departure boards. Some look at the phone apps. Some ask the staff. Well, there's no point looking at the broken clock, though. Well, fortunately, our jovial announcer on the train had given us some indication about which would be the best trains to catch for the various destinations. I decide which train I need. But, in the meantime... Another train makes an unscheduled stop at our station to pick up the stranded passengers. Well done, Transpanine Express. Good decision. So, I get on board with everyone else and I stand up with most of the other people. At Huddersfield, I decide to jump off. Well, I do wait for the train to stop first and I catch another train to my destination, Newcastle. It also gives me time to check out the oldie-worldie waiting room, and I dig out one of my treasured beef sandwiches. Yes, those sandwiches packed especially for the train journey. Well, the subsequent trains are now backing up, but this one is only about ten minutes late. And I find a seat with a table all to myself. So I get to do a bit of work, watch the CMA 30 day challenge catch up video and write stuff like this for you to listen to. The next thing I receive a text message. My wife has been out walking our son's dog. She's arrived back at their house and she's broken the key in the lock. So now she's waiting outside with the dog. Sorry I can't help you from, uh, where are we now, Durham? 
Well, it's a good job the dog doesn't need a toilet. But Joel's on the way to sort it out and pick up my toolbox on the way. So hopefully Christine won't be too late for her appointment. The train pulls into Newcastle Station over an hour after it should have. But it's been an adventure. I check into the hotel, make a brew, connect to the Wi-Fi. Hey, you got to get your priorities right here. And then I ring Christine. I find out that Joel has sorted the lock. Christine has got to her appointment. And the world is well again. Isn't life an adventure? Who knew what would happen at the beginning of this day? Day two. It can't happen again, can it? I leave the Atomicon conference a happy man and reflect on the events of the day. Walking the route to a recommended fish restaurant takes me past Newcastle railway station and my mind goes back to yesterday's adventure. Today though, I'm looking forward to a smooth journey home. The mussels at the fish restaurant are delicious. The bill is a mere six pounds and five pence. I think I can afford a 15% tip. I hope they appreciate that 95 pence. Now there's still a bit of time before I need to be at the railway station so I pop into Waitrose and I treat myself to my favourite dark chocolate. At £2.05 it's much more expensive than at home but I don't mind because I'm still chuffed about the price of those mussels. And it's from Waitrose so surely it must taste better. Well, arriving at the railway station with plenty of time to spare and looking up at the departures board, my eyes can't believe what I'm reading. The train has been cancelled. I ring our elder son, Danny. Danny works for a rail company. He writes timetables and he knows loads of stuff about how the rail networks work. It's just like the right phone a friend on who wants to be a millionaire. It's good to have connections when you need them, isn't it? Well, Danny gives me some helpful tips and some pointers. The lady on the information desk suggests I take the train to York and change there. Platform 5, it leaves in a minute. Wow, I run over the bridge, expecting to jump on the train as it leaves. But... It's eight minutes late. My feeling of hard done by changes though when I read that today's disruption has been caused by a fatality on the line. My small problem suddenly pales into insignificance. The train to York is crowded, as expected, but at least I managed to get a seat. Unfortunately, I'm right behind a group of loud, drunken girls. The revellers continue the drinking and the banter. And then someone plays an audiobook without headphones. So I decide to busy myself by making contingency plans, just in case we don't get to York in time. So I tune out the ambient noise. By the time we arrive in York, I've devised a plan. 
Dan has given me times, platforms, everything I need. Well, they changed the platform. But Dan is on the case, though, and he sends me an update. Nevertheless, I'm puzzled. You see, it says Newcastle on the back of the train. Danny tells me that this train is the one I should have been on from Newcastle. But it couldn't leave Newcastle because it never got there. I noticed that every seat on this train has a reserved ticket. But on closer inspection, therefore the previous journey in the opposite direction. The carriage is almost empty, so I spread out across two seats. We collect a handful of passengers at the next station. And I look up. A man is standing there next to me, looking at his ticket, then at the seat containing my rucksack and jacket, and then his ticket. Um, they've announced that they've cancelled the reservations, I say to him. These reservations are for the previous journey. You can sit anywhere, I say, pointing at all the empty seats around. But he's adamant that he's booked this particular seat. So I remove my rucksack, my body warmer and my jacket, and I take off my belongings from his table, and I fold it up neatly against the chair, and he sits down. I try to strike up a simple conversation. After all, I don't want him to think that I'm one of those awkward people who occupy other people's seats. He gets off at the next station, and I spread out again. In the moving around, though, I drop a piece of my prized chocolate on the floor. I can't see it anywhere. Does that man realise how much I paid for that chocolate? So, I send a message to Christine. She's picking me up at the station. I'm not going to be late after all. She'll be happy. And I'm happy that I'm nearly home. It's been another railway adventure. Perhaps I should write a blog post about it. How about calling it The Tale of the Two Trains? (laughs) 